Amen. Children are now dismissed to junior church at this time. Children are dismissed to junior church. We're going to be going to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 in a minute if you want to begin to turn there. And I want to talk about serving. You know, I'm in a sermon series talking about scriptures that I've been convicted to pray, scriptures I've been convicted to pray for myself, my children, and grandchildren and descendants. I don't have grandchildren yet, in case you're wondering, but um, I hope someday that the Lord will give me those and, you know, I can start praying for them now because nobody comes to know Jesus as Savior and Lord without somebody praying for them. And one scripture passage that I've been convicted, uh, very convictional in my life, is Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11, actually 3 through um, 12, rather. But today we're going to focus on Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. And, you know, as we look at that passage, my theme would be pray for help to serve and sacrifice. Pray that we live out, pray that God enables us to live out this passage, helping us to serve, serve sacrificially for others. And so as a beginning object lesson for the children's sermonette, I have a hammer. Because this hammer says, Daddy, I love building memories with you. And uh, I got it for Father's Day from my children, and we got one for my dad, too. And so my dad and mom were up the last couple days for Mercedes' seventh birthday party. And so, of course, we had a project uh, to get done. So he had to bring a circular saw and all types of tools up because if he comes without his own tools, chances are I don't have what we need. And so generally, my parents know, bring lots of tools up, and we got the job done. And, you know, think about service. I know of a church, well, lots of churches that do service projects, mission trips. In Alliance, we would do Alliance Mission Encounter. And every summer, the third week of, the, third week of June, we worked in houses in Alliance. And we would go out and not just, not just First Baptist, but we, Alliance Friends Church. We had some 10 or 12 churches that together came together with about 70 volunteers. And we'd build wheelchair ramps, repair porches, do yard cleanup. People took off a day off work. Kids, teenagers, they made it like an overseas mission trip, but it was right in our community. You know, we're called to serve. We're called to serve. We're called to serve others. You know, and having... Um, Children, it doesn't ha- only happen with children. It can happen with nieces and nephews or grandchildren or maybe if you're a scout leader or a teacher. You can learn to put others' needs before your own. There's a book called Same Kind of Different as Me. This book is a true story that follows two people's past in life until they meet up. One person was raised in a middle-class white family. He grows up and becomes very, very successful and very wealthy through the art industry, actually. While he has grown up becoming extremely successful and extremely wealthy, another man grows up as a modern-day slave, a black man in the 1940s and 50s in the deep south. He watched family members murdered and just get away with it. He was never educated at all. He lived as a modern-day slave in the 1940s and 50s. Eventually, he runs away from that from that slave setting, but he was homeless. He never was educated, never knew how to work, couldn't trust anyone because he was constantly enslaved. The book is called Same Kind of Different as Me, and it follows their paths until eventually the very wealthy white man and his 
wife are dedicating their life to Christ. And the wife says, I want to go serve at a homeless shelter. And he said, oh, I'll send money. I'll get my checkbook out. I'll send money. And she says, no, I want to go there. And I want to actually serve at this shelter. They go. They serve. They come home. They keep serving. Once a week, go into this very, very bad area of, I think it was Houston or the deep south somewhere, and they keep serving. So eventually the wife says to her wealthy husband, I want to go and I want to take a group from that shelter, and I want to take them out to dinner and a play. That's never recommended, but they did it, and, and, and God used it. They, the, through this, God brings these two people's paths across each other. The very uh, uneducated, poor, poverty-stricken black man and the wealthy white man. And eventually the wealthy white man takes this man out to breakfast. And the black man, you know, he doesn't trust anyone. He's been hurt all his life. He says, why are you doing this? And the... White gentleman says, to be your friend. And the black man says, you know, I like to fish, but I see that white people, they catch and release. I don't want to catch and release friendship. Eventually, God brings them very, very close to each other, into a friendship that would last the rest of their lifetimes and the rest of her lifetime, because the wife who actually instigated all this died of cancer. And they wrote this book together, and actually right now there is even a movie made about it. I haven't seen the movie. I had to read the book in seminary. But what I just shared with you is an example of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4 in action. That is the passage we're going to talk about. It's an example of letting your thinking be about others first. And letting your thinking make your actions lead to being about others first. Forgetting about yourself, thinking about others. We're not just going to send money. We are going to go and we're going to serve. And that's what God has called us to do. An American problem is oftentimes we're quick to send money but very slow to send ourselves. But the Bible calls us to think about others first. If you're there, please, uh, let's read Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. I'm going to read it one more time. Do nothing from selfishness. No things. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind. Notice the mindset. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Serving with the heart and mind of Christ begins in our thinking, in our mindset. Notice that verse 3 in this passage is about our thinking, and verse 4 is about our actions. And looking at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, I have a note in one of my Bibles. And it says, there is no main verb in this verse, be of the same mind. Be of the same mind. The main verb is actually implied here. Thus, although most translations supply the verb do, as in do nothing, do, at the beginning of verse 3, the idea is even stronger than that. The idea is stronger. The idea is actually this. Paul is exhorting them 
Don't even think any thoughts motivated by selfish ambition. Don't even think any thoughts motivated by selfish ambition. I didn't think about it. Perish it. The Christian is to think about others. It begins in our thinking. We have the brand, the costume of Christ on us. And it begins in our thinking. 25 years ago, when the New York Yankees were the dominant team in Major League Baseball, well, 25 years from the time this was written, I don't really follow baseball. You'd have to ask Bobby about when the New York Yankees were a good team. I think he likes them a little bit. Um, <laughs> When the New York Yankees were the dominant team in Major League Baseball, the manager would say to the rookies, Boys, it's an honor just to put on the New York pinstripes. So when you put them on, play like world champions. Play like Yankees. Play proud. In similar fashion, the Apostle Paul is attempting to inspire and to motivate the believers at Philippi by challenging them. To walk worthy of the name which they are called. To walk worthy of the name which we are called. And how are we to do that? It begins in our thinking. Don't even think any thoughts of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Those thoughts where you just want to cut somebody else off at the knees and use sarcasm to bring them down and pump yourself up. Get rid of them. Make others look better. And yourself even look worse. We are reflecting Jesus. We are Jesus to other people. Walk worthy of the name we represent. Be truly about loving others. And kind of come back to the broader theme. Pray this passage. Pray this passage because you can't do it without the Holy Spirit's help. Because your children won't do it. Your grandchildren. Because world's nature, the sin-filled nature, the fallen nature, is not to think of others first. The following is a true story. It happened several years ago. Two pastors were at lunch together. The older pastor paid for their previous meal, so the younger pastor picked up the tab for this meal. The younger pastor paid cash for the meal, so his older friend asked if he had included a tip. He said he forgot the tip, so he put some cash on the table, the older pastor. As they were departing, the younger pastor said he forgot something and returned to the restaurant. The other pastor saw him through the window. The younger man, the younger pastor, went back to the table and picked up that cash and put it in his pocket. What a sad story. The other pastor went back later on and apologized and gave money for the tip. That's how we are not to be. That's how we are not to be as Christians. We as Christians are to reflect Christ. It starts in our thinking. My thinking must must be about others first. My thinking must perish that me-first mentality. And sometimes we can be very generous, but just to make ourselves look better, too. So just because we're generous doesn't mean we escape it. In preaching this passage, I know that many, if not most, if not all of our congregation, we're pretty good at serving others. However, we all need reminded from time to time. I need reminded of, uh, from time to time as well. The passage says, in humility, value others above yourselves. In humility. That's talking about the mindset. In humility. As Paul writes about this, he gives an example, and that is Jesus. Jesus valued us so much that he left his heavenly abode and came down. And lived a life, 33 years, in total, complete poverty. In total, complete humility. And went to the cross for us. 
Actually, if you read the rest, Philippians 2, 9 through 11, Paul says, even death on a cross. It's the most humiliating death known to man. Later in verses 19 through 20 of this same chapter, the Apostle Paul gives the example of Timothy. Timothy valued others above himself. So I ask us, and I ask myself as well, how is our mindset? How are we doing with our mindset? How are we doing with our thinking? How are we doing with that humility? When we serve others, is it because we love them? Or are we just duty-bound? By the way, our thinking includes all times, even in the car. John Chris is a Christian comedian. He has this little bit. Uh, you can see it on, on, online on the internet. And it's called, When the Praise Songs Don't Match the Road Rage. And it has him driving around listening to, you know, these different praise songs. You know, seek ye first, whatever. I'm trying to make one up. And while he's listening to the song, he's saying, you know, keep driving, you idiot. What are you doing, you know? And uh, <laughs> what's our mindset like? We don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. Are we loving in our, in our, in our thinking? Do we look down upon certain people as below us? Another application is really not action-oriented, but word-oriented. Do we try our best to communicate? Do we try our best to communicate love through our words and nonverbals? Sarcasm can be humorous, but it can also cut like a knife. And we're called to make others look better, not ourselves. And I want to say another thing about loving others. True love shares Jesus with other people. True love shares Jesus with other people. If we really love them, we make sure we share Jesus with them. So serving others with the heart and mind of Christ begins with our thinking, and then it goes to action. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. That's our thinking. And then verse 4. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest. Notice it doesn't say it's wrong to look out for your personal interest. It says, do not merely look out for your own personal interests. you got to take care of your own personal interests. you got to, you know, eat your lunch and, and get your ice cream at 8 o'clock at night. That's my time, but I don't know when your time is. But you got to look out for your own, own interests. But when you get the blizzard from Dairy Queen for yourself, get it for your neighbor too, you know. Um, look out for, do not merely look out for your own interests, but also look out for the interests of others. It's action-oriented. A woman wanted a pet, so she bought a parrot. She asked them at the pet store if it would talk, and they said, yeah. She takes the parrot home, puts it in its cage, and it didn't talk. After a while, she goes back to the pet store and says it doesn't talk. They said, did you buy it a mirror? It must look at itself in the mirror, and then it will talk. She gets a mirror, and the parrot still doesn't talk. She goes back to the pet store, and they said, did you buy it a ladder? Once it has a ladder, it will talk. So you get a mirror, you get it a ladder, she gets that ladder in it, and it still doesn't talk. She goes back to the pet store, they said, did you get it a swing? If you get it a swing, it would definitely talk. So she gets it a swing. She's got it a mirror, she's got the parrot a ladder, she's got the parrot a swing. The parrot still doesn't talk. After a few weeks, the parrot dies. She goes back to the pet store and she says, the parrot died. And they said, did it say anything before it died? And she said, yes. The parrot said, don't they have any food at that pet store? 
So oftentimes we can take care of anything but the real life need. And this passage, Philippians 2, 3, and 4, is talking about basic needs. True love, you know, uh, sharing Jesus, serving with the heart and mind of Christ goes to action. It goes, it ends in action. We want to make sure that we are helping people have basic needs. And these actions are not always material things. I know that some of us on some days don't have a penny to spare. So in a moment, I want to give some different ideas of ways that we can love people without costing money. One way certainly is encouragement. Encouraging with our words, encouraging with a smile. Taylor Swift is a country uh, music singer. I don't usually like country. If you do, you need to repent. But, um, <laughs> but uh, anyways... Uh, Although I did like Taylor Swift a little bit when she started, but I think she's written so many songs about ex-boyfriends. Anyways, Taylor Swift is a country singer, and um, I don't even think she's country anymore. One of you can correct me later. But when, when she wrote, when she was early on, you know, she broke into stardom in like 2007 at like 18 years old, and she was asked about a certain song. And she said, I wrote that about the scariest feeling I've ever felt. Going to school, walking down the hall, looking at all those faces, and not knowing who you're going to talk to that day. People always ask, how did you have the courage to walk up to record labels when you were just 12 or 13 years old? She says, it's because I could never feel the kind of rejection in the music industry that I felt in middle school. So we need to recognize, and, and certainly our schools have their own issues, but we need to recognize that, 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 that people go through real-life struggles and troubles, and we need to try to encourage and uplift and not discourage. So I believe there are little ways that I think we can help people. Number one, praying with and for people. We will never know, never, ever, ever know how much of a difference it will make when we pray for someone. And if we actually don't just say, I'll pray for you, how about we pray with them right then and there? All the more powerful. Sharing the gospel with someone. I'm always going to talk about sharing the gospel. You know that it is a free gift that we share. And most of us just bottle up inside. Along those lines, Bibles. Give one away. You know how many people have been saved just by reading the Bible? Go to a Gideon's, uh, a Gideon's service sometime, if you know about the business group, the Gideons, and they can share testimony after testimony after testimony about people who come into a hotel room, pick up the Gideon Bible, and they're saved. Or some other time. People have been saved just by the public reading of the New Testament. People have been saved by the reading of the Bible. I think it would be awesome if everyone at Bethel Friends who claimed Christ as Lord and Savior would commit to give a Bible away in the next week or two, in the next month. What if every one of us gave a Bible away once a month? What would God do with that? Let the Word of God do the work of God. You're giving away just this powerful book that people die for all over the world. Bibles, give one away. Help people with meals. Meals is always helpful. Visiting shut-ins and those in the hospital is another way we can serve with the heart and mind of Christ. And here's another idea. Take your children with you. Take your grandchildren with you. You know, take your great-grandchildren with you. Take someone with you. Take your friend with you. Take someone with you and visit someone. Visit your own family member and friends in the hospital as well. Here's number six. Sew for someone. Teach someone to sew. Teach someone to cook. Teach someone to fish. Teach someone to hunt. 
Daniel Meyer tells the story of an elderly woman who heard a sermon in which she felt God encouraging her to look for ways in which she could use her particular gifts and situation to minister to the needs of others. She thought about her gifts and realized that she'd been told by others that she had the gift of hospitality. She lived alone in a small apartment, but she lived near a large university and had afternoons free. She pondered the needs around her and the people who tugged at her heartstrings. To her mind came the students nearby who were so far from home at this local university. It was then that an idea both strange and simple suddenly arose. She got a stack of three by five cards and wrote on each one of the following. Wrote on each one the following. Are you homesick? Come to my house at 4 o'clock p.m. for tea. She included a phone number and address and then posted the cards all around this university campus. After a slow start, homesick students began trickling into her house each week for tea. When she died 10 years later, 80, that's 8080, honorary pallbearers attended her funeral. Each one of them had been a student who once upon a time found a hot cup of tea, a sense of home in the gospel of Jesus and the hospitable heart of this faithful servant. I challenge all of you and myself to go the extra mile in serving other people. Let Christ first and foremost impact your mindset and let that lead to action. And pray this passage for yourself and for your descendants. That you will do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. First and foremost, 2 Corinthians 13.5 says to examine yourselves and make sure you're in the faith, unless you fail the test. And so, where do you stand with God today? Where do you stand with God? Many times people say they believe in God. Well, even the demons believe in God and shudder. So many times people say they believe in Jesus. But are you committed to make him Lord of your life? Are you following Jesus? Does your life match your mindset? Does your life match what you say your worldview is? Oftentimes there's a contradiction. So I encourage you, I challenge you, first and foremost, be a disciple of Jesus. Surrender to him. Surrender completely. What are you holding on to that you have not surrendered to Jesus? Jesus asks for everything. Jesus asks to be Lord of everything. Jesus asks that we have an open hand, not a closed hand. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that we have an open hand, recognizing you're Lord of all. And we surrender everything to you. May we surrender everything to you, Jesus. If there's people here who have never surrendered to you, may today be the day of salvation, where they believe God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Jesus, may we believe that you are the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by you. May we commit to you and trust in you. May we commit to you and trust in you. May we make you Lord of our life. And help us, Holy Spirit. We need your help. 
Lord, may we live out this passage. Help us to live out Philippians 2, 3 through 4. To do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But Lord, make us have a humble mindset regarding one another as more important than us. Lord, help us to look out for others' needs, even before our own. Help us to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.